welcome to Null News Now. My name is Merrick Counts, and I will be your host tonight. Now, there, I read a blog on fear-mongering in uh, security news related to Linux, and I just wanted to cover that. That is never my intention. It would actually be the furthest thing from my intention because uh, to make a sane decision, you have to have a sane mind. And just being fearful is not the correct way to make a decision, uh, especially a very rational decision. I talk and make security a highlight because I think it's very important not to scare people. So please take everything I say here as a way to inform you on security related things each week. Uh, But please, please, don't take it as me trying to trump up things around Linux. I also cover a lot more about Linux than I do about any other OS. And that's not because I'm trying to hate on Linux. It's because Linux powers probably most of the internet. And I happen to work in Linux every single day. So if you're wanting Mac security advisories, you'll want to get on a minute by minute security advisory because there's quite a them. But if you're wanting Linux, that's right here. Now, I also include some Windows because I happen to do a decent amount of Windows stuff from time to time and am involved in those types of things. So anyhow, I just wanted to let you know that just as a quick update to that. Now, I want to announce something kind of exciting. So there's some people you guys listen to my news um, almost every week. And so I am releasing this in podcast form and you can get that at the link below so that if you're wanting to listen to this without the visuals please feel free to go and grab the podcast as well all right let's move on to the security announcements for this week all right so there was a really awesome article about how a really badly configured database um, allowed people to own the entire cloud of a very large player and you should go and read that because it, it emphasized how how configuration is a huge part of security and is very important to make sure it's done right um the French National Cybersecurity Agency. I, they really need to get a name like CIA or FBI. We're really good with the acronyms because the FNCSA. Anyways, it's terribly hard to say. Um, it released an advisory on Emotent. Emotent. Emotet. I'm not quite sure how it's pronounced, but it's originally a run of the mill Trojan back in 2014 um, and is now a malware botnet um, that uh, is um, tracked as TA542 and Mummy Spider. So it's uh, hitting uh, at least France very hard and there's a lot of instances of it. So that's something to be aware of, and you can go look it up. Uh, Conico- Canonical, Canonical, I always want to say it wrong. Canonical released a new update today for the Ubuntu kernel. It's very important if you're running Ubuntu, you should go and download an update to the new con- kernel. It is a con- kernel security update to address a single vulnerability su- affecting all 
supported Ubuntu releases. So any Ubuntu release in support right now is affected and you should go update. All right. Um, there was a patch Tuesday that could break WSL 2 for some Windows 10 uh, v 2004 users. Now, why this is in the security is it was a security patch or a lot of security patches. So um, you might still want to update, but I'll leave that up to you. If you're a heavy WSL user, um, it might be uh, useful to wait a couple of days and see if they fix that patch. All right, let's move on to open source. Uh, Deepin Linux uh, version 20 is finally here and I'm I'm wanting to I wanted to cover this because it released a I'm not a big Deepin Linux I've actually never run it um, but it it comes with a new dual kernel installation and it lets you choose between 5.4 the long-term support and uh, 5.7 the stable branch um, and that, that was kind of cool. I've never actually seen a OS do that, um, a Linux OS, and so that's new, and that's there for you. Um, they also brought around NVIDIA uh, support for NVIDIA proprietary gra graphics drivers, so if you're an NVIDIA user, DPIN 20 uh, could work for you. All right, let's move on to Kubernetes. Still open source, but more focused on Kubernetes. All right, so there is a interesting project. There's an interesting project that was released that I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, just so you guys were aware of it. It's called Crossplane. It's a Kubernetes control plane to roll your own pass service. Pass service would be a um, redundant. Um, but basically, if you want to uh, roll out Kubernetes as a service and provide it, Crossplane is an open source project to do that. Kind of interesting. You should take it out. Uh, Stackrocks got uh, 26.5 million um, to expand its uh, security for Kubernetes. Now, it's for Kubernetes containers, um, not just plain containers. Um, it's very much a Kubernetes native way. But if you run a large Kubernetes clusters, this is something to look at because it's, uh, it's there for your Kubernetes cluster and security in Kubernetes and containers. All right, and then the last thing, um, this isn't actually uh, open source, but it is uh, Natanix, Natanix. I'm going to say Natanix. So Natanix launched a Kubernetes platform as a service. So there's yet another player in the game um, that's kind of seems kind of late to me, to be honest, um, as so many have already um, launched and really it's been consolidating in the last with uh, the acquisition of Rancher and other ones of these that are being brought in. Um, now, I found it funny because they compared it to managing VMs and said how it was better than VMware because it was simpler. I, I don't know that they know how integrated VMware has their own Kubernetes service because they do and it works quite well. Um, I haven't actually tried it uh, they, they just released it this week. Um, but if that's something you're interested in, uh, go ahead and check it out. 
Salesforce released a thing called Craft. Um, now, I've been meaning to release a video on uh, Kubernetes operators. Actually, it needs to be several. Kubernetes operators, pretty much there's one SDK um, that is what I would say the most popular, and that was the SDK created by CoreOS. So CoreOS created the um, Kubernetes operator SDK. And that SDK allows you to create a Go um, SDK, a Ansible SDK, and a Helm uh, operator. So you could create one in those three languages. So you either had to write it in Go or you had to write it in Ansible or Helm. Uh, the Helm one was actually really restricted. It probably actually didn't even make good operators. I wouldn't have used Helm. The Ansible one wasn't quite as powerful as just writing in Go, but it was pretty powerful and you could actually write one. Um, so anyways, what Craft is trying to do, it's built on top of um, Operatify and KubeBuilder. Um, KubeBuilder is the same thing that powers the uh, the operator SDK that CoreOS built. and but it allows you to focus on the uh, CRUD objects, the, um, the CRUD operations, and it allows you to write them in whatever language you want. So it allows you to write a Kubernetes operator in whatever language that you'd like, just focusing on the CRUD operations and abstracts away all of the unnecessarily complicated things. Now, I haven't given it a try myself. I plan to. I plan on releasing a video on how to make one with it eventually, but it'll probably be sometime down the road. It's also in a pre-alpha state, so it's pretty rough, or I would assume it's pretty rough, as generally things in that pre-alpha state are. Um, it's a 0.1 release, so maybe that's, uh, yeah. Anyways, all right, let's move on to cloud news. Now, it turns out Azure, I guess, took the entire week off. There's not one scrap of news that's really worth mentioning, except later on where they, they took a playbook out of Google's and took something that was really useful and uh, got rid of it. Um, but it's not a new feature. Let's move on to AWS. So AWS released Amazon um, Redshift Data API. So if you're a Redshift user, you now have a data API that will allow you to access it programmatically. And so you can do uh, whatever you want programmatically with it. So that's really cool. It looks like over the last couple of months uh, or maybe even the last year, AWS has really put a focus on exposing these as a, their services as APIs so you can you consume them programmatically. That's really awesome. All right, uh, EKS now supports security groups to Kubernetes pods. So if you're accustomed to managing security groups in EKS or for EKS, you can now use those same things for pods. It's kind of like pod security policies the AWS way. Now, in general, I don't like using these because I don't like using uh, cloud-specific things because basically if you secure your pods this way, you're selling yourself to AWS. And that, that has its pros and cons, but that's why I don't personally like it. But it is cool, and if you've already sold your soul to AWS, you can use this. Um, Redshift, uh, so Redshift now supports 100,000 tables 
in a single cluster. This is up from 20,000. This is a huge jump. This is way more than 50%. Um, and, and you can get up to 100,000 tables without um, needing to split the tables across clusters or storing anything in S3. So that's that's a huge increase. So if, if you are a Redshift user that has lots of tables in their cluster, this could help you. And that was about it for AWS. So we'll move on to Google. Um, Google released some updates to their capabilities for AppSheet. Um, so basically AppSheet er, is a a thing to allow non-technical workers to create applications and business process. Um, and, and they released uh, new capabilities around um, AppSheet. So it's pretty cool. You should go check out that if you are a consumer or if you need non-technical workers to create applications. Uh, they also released the API gateway uh, to their fully managed service that lets uh, developers build and secure monitor APIs for Google Cloud workloads and serverless. So Google, just like AWS, is working on releasing APIs to access the services. Where are you, Azure? I want to see your list on this list next week. All right, um, let's move on to technology in general. So this is where Azure kind of dropped the ball for me. They are removing Visual Studio Code Spaces, which was formerly uh, Visual Studio Online, and it's getting killed to remove confusion with GitHub code spaces. So it's basically the same thing as GitHub code spaces. Um, so I'm not actually really sad. And GitHub code spaces is actually pretty cool. If you've never heard of it, you should go check, check it out. Um, but go ahead and check that out. If you're using uh, Visual Studio code spaces, you're going to want to change over to their GitHub code spaces um, and use it there. Um, all right. Um, let's move on to a, a paper released by Cloudflare. Um, this isn't open source as it's the, the um, Unimog load balancer isn't open source, but it was a, a breakdown of everything they've done with Unimog and their L4, uh, layer four of the OSI model, layer four um, edge load balancer. And now it's not open source. I'm assuming one of the reasons that's not open source is it's actually specifically built for them. So it might not actually be a very good general purpose load balancer, but they go into details on some of the problems that they had to solve at operating at scale and how they solved them. So if nothing else, it's a really great overview because they do some background on layer four route routing for TCP and UDP traffic. And it's definitely worth a read. It should be on your list. All right, so the Zen 3 keynote has been uh, scheduled. So it's going to be on um, October 8th. And the big Navi keynote is going to be on the 28th. So finally, AMD has released the keynotes on when they're going to be releasing, uh, 
we're assuming releasing um, or announcing the release of their new CPUs and GPUs. Um, I'm actually very interested in the Zen 3. Um, I think that I might build, base my next build off of a Zen 3. I've, I've had Intel for a long time, and I might try to go ahead and switch to the AMD um, Zen 3. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what this keynote holds. Um, I'll be sure to give you my reactions on the Zen 3 keynote once I've watched it. All right. Um, so let's go on to project shoutouts. Now, I got a couple project shoutouts from the community on the Discord channel. Thank you. If you have a project you want as a product shout out, leave a link below in the comments or join my Discord and have a conversation there about the project and why you found it helpful and useful. So the first thing that I'm going to note out is another article by Netflix that talked about swapping out their Android API on the fly with a rolling update. Um, and it was really good and really in depth on how they managed to do it without downtime. So uh, I think it's also worth a read. Um, let's talk about the next project. Um, it's called k8syaml.com. It's a tool that allows you to build YAML files kind of in a non-horrible way. So basically allows you to add a container and it will add the block for the container and you can pick an image and things like that. So if you're trying to build out this, this YAML file structure for your application, it's a great place to template out most of what you need and you can take that and then edit it up a little bit better. Now, if you use kubectl, there's actually ways to do that. Um, and if you guys would like uh, kubectl videos, um, I've already made one, which was a very base introduction to kubectl, uh, but I plan on releasing more on how to use and leverage kubectl to better fit your things. Now. KAS YAML is a very nice graphical interface, and so if that's your thing, it's fantastic. The next one is Cookie Cutter. Um, it's a command line utility that creates projects from templates. At first, I was a little confused because I always just use template repositories. Um, so, you know, if I have a template project, I create a repository. But the nice thing about cookie cutter is it does more than just give you a repository. So now it can use um, both Git and Mercurial um, repositories as a cookie cutter. Uh, yeah, as I don't know what they're called. Anyways, but then it does that you can template out file structures and file names and things like that so that it can go through and replace all the things so that it's named for the new project or things like that. So it's actually quite powerful um, if you are a company that makes a bunch of small little web apps or things like that, this might be super useful for you. All right, and the very last thing is a, is a application called Dive, which is um, a really cool project that allows you to dive in your containers and see all the different layers and things like that. And it, it talks about it building on Docker. I would imagine that it allows you to dive into any OCI compliant container um, as long as it's not leveraging Docker specific things. So I haven't tested that. But as long as it's not doing that, um, it should allow you to dive into any OCI compliant uh, container and uh, see the different layers. And you can use it to 
help make better containers. Um, so get rid of unnecessary things and uh, make uh, smaller layers. If you guys, I need to do videos on how to make good containers because there's a whole art to making uh, fast, secure containers and how to make them as small as possible so that you're not running extra stuff that you don't need. All right, that's all I have for this week. I hope that this news was informative and I hope that you enjoyed it. If you did not like this news this week, I'm gonna need you to click the subscribe button, stick around, and see if these videos get any better for science. Have a fantastic next week. But one of the videos would be creating a Kubernetes. Uh, I don't know why sometimes I say Kubernetes. Google operator, Google operator. I wanted to say Kubernetes and then I accidentally said Google. When I was like, no, it's not Kubernetes, a Kubernetes operator.